Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. I was reading today um, about some men and women who've gone before us, many, some of them, you know, hundreds of years before us, and then some, you know, more recently, but, you know, maybe... 80 years or so like that. And I was just thinking about how that we can come in the, this room tonight and, you know, we can, uh, we can use our prayer language to pray in the Spirit. We can talk about Jesus openly. Uh, we can believe for healing power to be released. There's so many things that we take for granted, but there were people that went before us that had to pay a price for the things that we take for granted many times today. I, I was reading about Polycarp, and probably, you know, in church history, um, he is one of the early church fathers that you can read about, and he was such a man of God. And uh, he was the Bishop of Smyrna. And, you know, you read about that in Revelation when you're reading about the churches over there uh, in the book of Revelation, those seven churches. And he was a man that knew John. John, the apostle John, was his mentor. And so he spoke of John often and that relationship that he had with him. But in the day that he lived, it was not popular to be a Christian. As a matter of fact, you were persecuted and even put to death for your faith. Now, we may be persecuted in that people say, well, you know, you're a fanatic or you're a holy roller, or something like that. But I'm talking about they were fed to the wild animals in the arenas. Um, they were burned alive for their faith. And all they said, all you have to do is declare Caesar as Lord and you can live. But many of those people didn't. And Polycarp was one of those. And he knew what was going to happen because he had a dream. And they were persecuting the Christians there, and they just martyred uh, several Christians who would not deny their faith. And it seemed as though those people that were there, the heathen people that were there in that arena that day, they just couldn't, you know, the, the blood of those martyrs was not enough. They started calling out the name of Polycarp, bring him, he's the bishop, you know, he's a Christian, bring him here. So he knew, you know, he knew what was going to happen. So they went to bring him in to the arena and they didn't, you know, he was in his 80s and they really didn't want to kill him. You know, the, the magistrates of, of, of the city there, they didn't want to kill him. And they said, all you have to do is just confess Caesar as your Lord. That's all you have to do. Just do it. We don't want you to die. We don't want to kill you. And he said, I will not deny my Lord. I will not. Burn me if you may, but I will not deny my God. He said, my flesh will burn up, but my spirit will go to be with the Lord. And so they're out there that day, think about it, 85 or so years old, and they burned him at the stake for his faith. Well, we're not experiencing that tonight. Now, I'm not saying that in other nations around the world that people are not experiencing persecution in severe ways because I know that they are. I know that in some Muslim nations, if you're a Christian, they will kill you. They will burn down your house or do whatever because you are a Christian. And so those things do go on. But in our nation, we're not facing that. Now, our rights are being taken away as Christians, and they are, slowly. And the Christian faith that this nation was built on is being eroded day by day, law by law, legislation by legislation, and that's what's happening. But it's not taken away now, and we're going we're gonna to take this gospel around the world, right here from this place. Did you hear what I said? The devil cannot stop us. As long 
as we have breath in our body and we have a will to fight, and that fight is a fight of faith, and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And so we still have the right and the privilege to stand here tonight, and we can preach the Word of God, and I can talk to you about your faith and your faith in God and how it will move the mountains. Amen. I want to talk to you about real faith. Some lay hold and, you know, to faith and claim faith, but they really do not know what faith is all about. Faith is the God kind of faith is what I'm talking about tonight. And it has its origin in God. It's the, the faith that God operates with. And the kind of faith that God lives by is the kind of faith that he tells us, he says, the just shall live by faith. Or you could say it this way. The just shall live by their faith. And so every day, see, faith is just not when you come to church or when you have a great need. Faith is what you and I are to live by all the time. Amen? We're going we're gonna to turn to Second uh, Timothy 1.5. Turn with me there. 2 Timothy 1.5, and we're going to talk about, again, the real faith tonight. And this is um, what Paul told Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Our faith needs to be passed down to the generations. It's up to us to take our faith and give it to others in our family, Make disciples, share, you know, wherever you can and however you can do that. And if you look here, you can see that Timothy had a faith that was in his grandmother and in his... Isn't that wonderful that that faith was in passed down through the family line? But do you know that doesn't happen in every family if there are people who will not talk about their faith, the real kind of faith, and share their faith and share their love for God. You know, the Bible said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I don't care where I go and what setting I'm in. Now, I will use wisdom, but I am not ashamed to talk about Jesus Christ and Him crucified because the Bible says He is the power of God. Jesus is the power of God to us. And so I'm not ashamed of that. And you know, I can remember before I was filled with the Holy Spirit though, I was ashamed to even say the name of Jesus. Tell me why, because the devil wants it that way, because the devil understands and knows how much power is in the name of Jesus. I tell you, there was one time that Eddie and I, we were out on the road that we were really young and, you know, it had snowed and now I'm not getting out if I don't have to. But then it's like, no, let's get out. Let's go have some fun, you know. So we were getting out and, and dr driving somewhere, probably somewhere to have breakfast early in the morning, you know, something like that after the snow or whatever. And so we got out on that road and we started uh, sliding. And then before we knew it, we have had spun around and we were heading toward a ditch. And I remember this is right when we began to learn about the power in the name of Jesus. And we both just began to cry out in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, we didn't go in that ditch. We straightened that car straightened up and we got ourselves wherever we were going. And I'm going to tell you, the name of Jesus is the highest name that there is. And anytime you find yourself in a situation, you invoke the name of Jesus. You do that. I remember my brother told me that he was in a place in the water and he was out um, a pretty far and he was going under and he had gone under several times and he said that in his uh, in his mind, he began, his mind began to play back a recording of his whole life to him. 
And at that point in time, he said, I knew, you know, I heard, I'd already heard other people say that when that happened, right before they died, and he said, I, with all that was within me, I began to cry out, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, just save me. And I'm telling you, he didn't drown. He's a member of this church today. He's alive and, and doing well, serving the Lord. And so the name of Jesus is a powerful name. And the gospel is powerful. And when we speak the Word of God, we quote the Word of God, we read the Word of God, you hear the Word of God, there's power. There's a powerful force that goes out. And I tell you, when it does, and faith carries it out there, it changes things. Amen? So... Paul told Timothy, I see that faith that's been in your family and I'm persuaded that it is in you also. And what I see in you, Timothy, is not an unfeigned faith. Now that's, a, that's an interesting word because really what that means is no pretense. In other words, not pretending. How many people every Sunday pretend in their relationship with the Lord. And maybe, and I'm not just talking about, in, I'm talking about here. How many people are in, oh yes, I'm standing, I'm believing, I'm praying. And all that is many times is just a religious rote. That's all it is. Just a religious, um, you know, way to express ourselves because many times we think someone is expecting us to say it. But God is looking for the real faith in our hearts. And when He finds the real faith, He is able to do something that will change the world. I was reading about F.F. F. Bosworth, and he was mightily used in healing revivals, you know, and, and I think he passed away, I want to say, like in the 60s or 70s, somewhere around there. So that healing revival, you know, he, he, he was involved in it and even before. And he had mighty miracles that would take place um, in his meetings. And he traveled with another man and they ministered together. And they saw remarkable things. And see, the thing that was in F.F. Bosworth, you know, Christ the Healer, the book that we read, that's who I'm talking about, the author of that book. And, and the thing about him, he was not pretending to be a man of God. He was not pretending that he believed in healing. He had the real faith that God could use to change situations and people's lives. And you know, you think about the real faith, and I tell you another person that comes to mind to me is Smith Wigglesworth. I remember reading a story about Smith Wigglesworth, and, and isn't that an interesting name? Of course, he was from England, and you know, he was an illiterate uh, uh, plumber, and, uh, and God, isn't it something how God can call who he wants to, to do what he wants to do? He doesn't have to ask us because we'd say, well, go to school and get your degree. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's not what God had for him, he didn't need to do that. So he didn't. And his wife was really the preacher. She was the one that started preaching before him, and he would be really nasty to her before he got born again. He'd lock her out of the house when she'd come home from church. And if that had been me, I would have probably kicked the door down. <laughs> Let me in! And I mean now. But she didn't. She would, she would sit down on the porch, spend the night on the porch locked out of the house. She would get up the next morning and go in and cook his breakfast. I might cook it. I might add some things. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but here was this man, you know, later on, because of her gentle way and because of her love of God and, and her lifestyle, you know, really what First Peter talks about. Because of that, he came to the Lord, got born again, 
had no schooling, no education, but he saw and experienced through his ministry some of the most remarkable healings and miracles that have ever been recorded that I know anything about. I'm talking about in modern times. It, it, it just is something else. I remember reading the story about a woman who came in his prayer line and he was going to lay hands on her and pray for her and he sensed that she didn't have faith to believe. Now, that is something. You, you know, the man of God, yes, he had faith, but she needed faith too. And so he said, well, you just go back and when you get ready, you come up here and I'll lay hands on you and you'll be healed. So the next night she comes back, she said, okay, I'm ready. She said, but I must tell you, I've had problems with my ears for years to the place I've had multiple surgeries and they have removed my eardrums. And Smith Wigglesworth said, well, there's nothing too difficult for God. And she said, that's right. And so we prayed and she got new eardrums. I mean, I'm talking about the real faith. I'm talking about the miracle working faith. Okay, so if real faith will attain those kind of things, real faith will help you in your situation. Real faith will help you as a parent or a spouse or in the financial realm if you need something from the Lord. If, if your finances every month, you're coming up short and you need some help, well, real faith will bring to you, will be that magnet to bring to you the things that you need in your life. But you can't pretend about it. You got to believe it. And, and you and I both know that the real kind of faith doesn't come any other way but by what? Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. That's how faith comes to us. So we can try to get it some other way, but it's not going to come. The real faith is going to come when we see it in God's Word. We take it at face value. We believe it, and we begin to exercise that faith. That is real faith. Pretend faith will be when you're in front of people, you're saying all the right things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bless God. You know, here we go. We got that charismatic lingo that we use. And I use it and there's nothing wrong with it. But if it's pretending to be something that you're really not, don't lie to yourself and don't lie to others. Just get with God until that pretending faith turns into the real faith that you can receive from the Lord. Are you here tonight? Yes. So, Paul looked at Timothy's life and he said, Timothy, you've got the real thing. You've got the real McCoy. This is it. This is what you need. And Timothy did have it, and he changed the world for Jesus Christ. And if we have real faith, we might not be a Timothy, we might not be a Paul, but we can change our world. And if we would believe that, we would start where we are with the situation and the circumstances that are going on in our life, and we could see things change. I believe that. I really do. Now, let me tell you what faith is and what it isn't. I'm just going to go through a little list that I jotted down today. Now faith is. So faith is now. You don't, you know, you don't have faith and release it, you know, in a day or an hour. You have faith now. Now faith is. Faith acts now. Faith comes by hearing. I just talked about that, what faith is and what it isn't. It's like a seed. Faith is like a seed. The Bible talks about it. What do you do with the seed? You plant it. And if you plant your faith, and then what has to happen when you plant? You have to water, don't you? Have you ever had a plant and you forgot to water it? What happens? It dries up and it dies. How many of you have green thumbs? Well, I don't. 
I like silk. <laughs> Not in my yard, but in certain places. Okay, so faith is like that seed, and you have to plant it, and then once you plant it, and then you water it. How do you water faith? You have to speak. You have to say. That's what watering is when it comes to faith. You have to speak it. You have to say what you're believing. You have to say what the Word of God is. Be doesn't the Bible talk about, talk about that we are to be cleansed by the water of the Word? It does. You are clean. You are pruned. How? By the washing of the water. You're cleaned and pruned. Think about that. Our life, when we get into the Word of God and we begin to speak the Word of God, there's a pruning that takes place. Things that are hanging on to us that don't need to be there. Things that are in our life that are hindrances to this real faith and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. This pruning through getting in the Word of God and reading it begins to be pruned from us and clipped from us. And it, we no longer have to carry that around. I know in our yard every spring, you know, we have to, we have to go and we have to prune the trees and the shrubs because they start getting, you know, just looking unkempt and, you know, just growing all which way, you know, which ways. And, and so we have to come in with the clippers and we have to clip them. And see, that's what the Word of God does to our life. We just get all, you know, just growing every which way. And, and God comes in with the Word and begins to clip and trim us up. And we look a lot better. I've got one tree in the yard. It's a really pretty tree, really pretty color tree. I don't even know what it is. But, but anyway, it, it wants to grow on one side. And you know what I liken that to? I liken that to the way that we are sometimes. We like to read the Word of God and we get lopsided. You know, we take a truth and we go to the extreme. And one side of our life just grows and protrudes and sticks up. And everybody can look at that and can see we're out of balance but us. But when you get in the Word of God and allow the Word of God to speak to you instead of trying to tell the Word what you want from it. Teachers having itching ears, you know. Heap to yourself those teachers. You know, it's not what you want to hear, it's what you need to hear. I've told this story many times when, when I preach, but when I was a little kid, I, and I still love tomatoes, but my mom would can tomatoes. How many of you remember about canning? <laughs> Some of you maybe still do that. Not many people do that, I don't think, anymore, but they sure are good. But anyway, so she would get, you know, a few bushels of tomatoes, and she would be canning those tomatoes, and I loved them so good, I would eat it like an apple. I just love, and I still am that way today. I'll slice a tomato up, put my salt on it, and I will eat it. Well, consequently, what happened, I got these blisters all in my mouth, and it was awful. You know, and here I am, a little kid, and I was just telling Eddie about it the other day. When I was a little kid, and my dad would chase me down. He would be chasing me around in the house, trying to get me because he was going to put some medicine in my mouth that tasted absolutely absolutely horrible. You know what it's like as a little kid. And he's trying to chase me down, hold me down, and put that medicine in my mouth so those blisters will go. Well, I'm fighting for, like everything, to stop from getting that medicine. But the Word of God, the Bible says, is like a medicine. And when we get all lopsided and out of, you know, on an extreme or a tangent, even in what we call faith, we need to allow the Word of God to begin to trim us and shape us and mold us. And you know, many times I think there are things that go on in our life, ways that we respond to people. The, the, you know, just unkindness and just meanness and being snappy and all that kind of thing. But bless God, we love the Lord. It's like, yeah, but why don't you get some love of God in your heart and in your actions? You know, and we all can be that way. 
We all can be that way. But when God sends his medicine to us, we can't be like me and running all over the house and trying to get away from the Father. Allow the Father to put the medicine on and you'll get better. I did every time because that happened several times. <laughs> My poor old daddy. They say you pay for your raising and we all do, don't we? Okay, so... Faith is like a seed. You plant it and it grows. Faith speaks. Faith says this, Romans 10. Faith receives. Faith is not fearful. Faith is bold. Sometimes you just got to be bold in receiving from the Lord. You just have to be bold. That's all there is to it. You have to be bold and you have to step out to believe. And I'm not talking about being ridiculous and I'm not talking about being foolish, but there's people who step out and receive and there's those who lay back and don't have. And God is looking for bold people who will trust and believe Him. Faith works by love. If you, you know, you say that you have faith, but then you don't love people, then your faith is not going to work. It won't work because faith is what, or love is what powers your faith. Oh, I love God with all my heart. Well, I'm talking about that, but I'm talking about people too. Well, I love God, but I just can't stand this person. I literally hate them. I hear people say it. I hear, they'll tell me that I hate them. And, and you know, you got to go over to 1 John and the Bible says, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Oh, well, it's not that bad. Well... If you want to be the judge, you go ahead and do that, but you're going to get the results. Nonetheless, that will not be results that you want. If you want the God kind of results, you have to operate in the kind of faith that he tells you, and that is a faith that is powered and works by love. The love of God in your heart. And the love of God will cause real faith to work. The love of God looks over the problems of people. The love of God looks over things about them that sometimes you can't stand. But if you have the love of God in your heart, it will cause you to respond differently to act differently, and then consequently, because of all that, then you will feel differently. But at first, you don't feel different. You still feel like, I don't like them, I can't stand them. But see, if you do it God's way, and you understand the God kind of love, and you walk in that, and you release that, then emotions and feelings will change. Emotions and feelings will change. But now I'm going to tell you, some people, you just, if, if every time you get around some people, they're rubbing you the wrong way, either you got to look at it this way, God is trying to do something in you to change you, or just don't be so close with them. Sometimes you have to separate. Now, that doesn't mean either that you do it in meanness and unkindness and that kind of thing. But, you know, I've told people before, like if, you, if you've been in an abusive relationship or something like that, get out of it. Don't keep going back to it. Well, I can't stand it. And every time I get, well, then why do you keep going back? See, that, I think that's a, that's a different story altogether when that's going on and somebody is abusive and, and treating you badly and because you are in Christ Jesus and Jesus is in you and you are somebody and you're accepted in the beloved and why would you let someone treat you that way? You do have control over that. You can, like I said, separate yourself from that. Amen?
You don't have you don't have to live there. You don't have to be in that. So faith works by love. Faith calls the things that be not as though they were. That's what the real kind of faith does. And see, so many times people will say they have real faith and they have believed God, believe that you receive when you pray and you will have it. You will take it. You'll get it right then. Believe you receive when you pray. See, that's the real faith released right there when you pray. But then if you go back and you start saying everything that is contrary to what you just prayed, that is pretend faith. That isn't real faith. You say, well, but that's so hard. But that's so scriptural. But that's so different than the world. And that's why it's so. In Romans 4, it, t- it talks about Abraham, you know. He didn't have children, but God said that he was going to have descendants. So we knew that that was a promise that God was going to f- fulfill. And faith is not a choice for the believer. The just shall live by faith. It isn't a choice. It's something that as a believer that God is pleased with us to do. Hebrews eleven six talks about it is impossible to please God without faith. If we're trying to live a life, a Christ-centered life that glorifies the Lord, then we must live our life with this real kind of faith that we're talking about tonight. Because faith is what pleases God. And the Bible says that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So faith is a diligence in seeking God. Your due diligence when you have faith. Faith pleases God when it's in our life. And so if it pleases God, if it's not in our life, what would the opposite of that be? When there's no faith in our life, then God is not pleased with His children because we are to live in faith. And if you get down, and and I know how it is sometimes, it just seems like when the attacks of the devil come into our life, sometimes it can, it can just be, you know how when you're a child and you, you know, you're playing a game and one of you gets knocked down and then all the other children just come and get on top of that one kid just to, you know, just to hold him down. Well, the devil tries to do that sometimes. The devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's what John 10, 10 talks about. If we ever want to know who the enemy is, it is Satan. It's not another Christian. It's not our spouse. It's not our co-workers. The devil is our enemy. And the Bible says you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It didn't say give in to the devil. Let him just run all over you. Pile up the attacks against you. It didn't say that. He said, you take my name and you cast him out wherever you find him. If it's in your life, you take authority. I'm telling you something here that you think, oh, well, I've heard that before. Maybe some of you haven't. But I'm going to tell you, it's not what you've heard before. It's what you do with what you hear. The enemy can run over, run over, run over, run over until you've got a huge rut in your life from his attacks. But anytime this real faith rises up in your life, you can take your place in God and you can take your authority in him. You know, in this ministry here, if we had not done that over the years, we wouldn't be here tonight. We wouldn't even exist because the attacks come to everyone. And he does come, like I said, to steal, kill, and to destroy. But that's not the point. The point is, what do we do when he attacks? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you. 
You humble yourself. How do you humble yourself before the Lord? You humble yourself before His Word, His commandments. You obey. You humble yourself before those. And then when you do that and you put His Word first in your life, He begins to exalt you up out of the ashes, the rut, the piled upon demons of hell that try to keep you down. He can't keep us down if we will not allow Him to. Well, I got attacked. Welcome to the world. The devil attacks. He doesn't like God's people and he will attack you again. It's not the attack. It's what we do with the attack when it comes. Do we lay down? I've had times in my life that I would be so weak that I would just want to lay down and just give up. But you know, that seed of God that's on the inside of me would not allow me to give to give up. It's like, get up. Get up. And I tell you how important it is that you have the right people around you at the right time when you're feeling like you want to give up. That's why church is so important. That's why the body of Christ is so important. We don't need to be all fragmented and disjointed and not belonging to a body. We need a church body. Every single believer does. Church is God's plan. The local church is God's plan. Now, we're members of the big body of Christ. We know that. But every believer needs a local church because in that church, Isaiah talks about there is a covering. When the heat is on, when the attacks are going on, you're under a covering. You've got people associated with you. And if you'll let them know what's going on, they can take your hand. They can pray for you. They can bind the devil. They can help you be able to stand. Having done all to stand, stand there for. Stand your ground is what one translation says. Stand your ground. Don't let the devil just run over you and you take it. Stand up. Speak out. Speak the word of God. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And greater is he that's in me than the one that's in the world bringing the attacks. As he is, so am I in this world. Jesus said, I'm going to heaven and I leave authority with my church. You take that authority. You walk in that authority. Well, that's just for the priest. That's just for the preacher. It is for him, that's for sure. But it's for every believer to walk in that. Not just for a certain one or two. It's for every believer. And that was Jesus' departing words in Matthew when he left. He said, I'm going to heaven and all power is given unto you. In another place, he said, whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. So we do have something to say. We do have something that we can do. When you've done all that you know to do, you keep standing. You don't quit and you don't give up. I tell you, Dr. Summerall taught me that if he taught me anything. And there were so many times, even with him, I remember when he talked about coming back to the United States from the mission field, and he was in his 50s, and people were telling him, well, you're washed up, you're too old, you know, you can't do this here in the States, you spent all your life overseas in missions, you're not really going to be able to do anything. And you know, if he had listened to that mess, he would have not started that great church, he would have not mentored hundreds of Past young pastors all over the United States, but he didn't listen to that. He had real faith. He resisted the devil, and he did what God called him to do. And so can you. It may not be the same call, but whatever it is in your life, you can be able to accomplish what God wants you to with your life. And you don't have to live it defeated, beat down, you can live it with the real, the God kind of faith and victory. God always causes us to triumph. Isn't that what the Bible says? Well, it doesn't look like victory now. It doesn't look like I'm triumphing now. Well, that's the thing about it. It's not over, is it, until you quit. 
You get knocked down, but you get up again and you keep on going. How many times have we been knocked down? Many times. Paul said it. He was knocked down, but he didn't stay down. He had a spiritual resilience that brought him back to where he needed to be. And so do we. We've got that and we can operate and function in it, can't we? Amen. You remember the story um, of the two blind men and Jesus was walking down the road one day and of course there was a big stir and everybody was talking, here comes Jesus, here comes Jesus. Bring out the people that need him. Can't you imagine? There were no clinics, there were no hospitals, there was no antibiotics to give people. There was none of that. They heard the healer was coming down the road. And there were two blind men and they start yelling and screaming and these religious people, tone it down, be respectful, tone it down. Don't you know that you're disturbing? These two blind men, they didn't care. They just kept on, you know why? Because they had faith in their hearts to receive from the Lord. They heard the healer was coming and they were gonna receive that day. Now listen to what Jesus said to them. He touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And I tell you today and tonight as I stand here, the things that are in your heart that you know that God wants you to do, the things, the dream that God has placed in you, things that you want to accomplish. Do not let the enemy pile on your life one demon on top of the other, one, you know, failure on top of the other. Resist him. Use the name of Jesus. Get up and get this real faith in your heart and know that it is according to your faith that you can do the things that you've been called to do. Some of you are believing for a home and maybe in your family tree, maybe, you know, everybody rents, you know, nobody's had a, you know, had a nice home. Change it and you be the one. And maybe people in your family, they drive around in cars that are filthy, nasty, wrecked, a mess, You be the one to change it. And I'll tell you how you do it the first thing. Get you a shovel and start shoveling out the car you've got now and clean it up and wash it and wax it and keep it that way. And then you believe God to bring you something better. I I, I really, I know people think I'm extreme when it comes to things like that. But I think if God gives you something, you need to make it and treat it right. You need to make it to where it glorifies God. You, you, you know, sometimes you, you catch yourself in a situation where it may not be the best thing, the best car, the best house, but you make it the best you can and God will honor your faith and he'll give you something a lot better. But I'm talking about the real faith, not pretending. And you can see everybody else, but nothing ever happens for me. I'm telling you tonight, I'm sharing with you a story that has worked in my life for over 30 years And the things that I have received and been deposited into my life, and whether it's material or spiritual, whatever, it's all come this same way by believing God. I remember when we started this church, we did not have anything. You can't imagine that today, can you? Sometimes it's amazing to me. We, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a typewriter. We didn't have a desk. In those days, it wasn't computer. It was typewriter. We didn't have pens and office equipment. We didn't have a place to meet. And we started out in a place, in a living room, and then we moved from there, and we went to this hotel, 
And it's where they used to have like men's meetings and, you know, Christian meetings and those kind of things. And in this hotel, I really didn't know how nasty it was. But, you know, I, I really wouldn't want to eat there, you know. And that, this was years ago. It doesn't even exist now. But anyway, we go in there on Sunday morning, Eddie and I. And, you know, we were all excited because God had called us to start a church. And bless God, we didn't have a thing, but we had real faith. And we used that real faith in that hotel room, and we didn't have a piano player. We got a piano player. We didn't have anybody to lead the worship. Eddie led it first, and then I led it the next week, and it was so bad, we stopped. <laughs> the third week, somebody was there to lead it. But we used our faith to get every bit of that. We used our faith to attain a more permanent building, we used our faith to begin, you know, and, and our staff now, you know, they might not understand why. And, and you know, we, is it the best we can, we do not waste. We try to be good stewards. Now, there are people, you know, from time to time that they don't understand that and they might not do that. But once we find it out, it's changed. If you know what I'm saying, we're not, we're not wasting because we know what had to happen to get where we are today. So, you know, and thank God we're not still in that place. But what I'm saying to you, we were two kids. Really, we were. We were in our early 20s. We didn't have experience in church life. We didn't know about, you know, how do you deal with problems in a church? We didn't, we didn't know, you know, the gossip. And then, you know, we didn't know the people that can't get along and we didn't know how to deal with all that. We didn't know how to handle that. But we loved God and we had the real faith. And because we did, he began to bring bit by bit and piece by piece. I remember when we went in, came in this building, I didn't want to hear this. I didn't want to hear it, but I heard it. I heard God say, I was praying, just praying up a storm one day. And he said, you're going to possess it talking about this place, you're going to possess it. At that time, we didn't own it. We were just leasing. He said, you're going to possess it, and it's going to be just like the children of Israel, little by little and bit by bit, you're going to possess it. Oh my God, I don't want to possess this place. I want to go somewhere else. I want a nice new building. I don't want to have to renovate. I don't want to have to do all that. But you know, see, it's not my will, but His be done. And you have to submit to that. You have things like that in your life every now and then. And you know it's God and you got to do it His way. But, you know, many of you, Betty, I look at you and, you know, I, there's several others that have been here for a lot of years. And, and you understand that and you know that where God has brought. So the, the thing about it is we didn't get it any other way than any other believer gets it. It comes by this real faith that we're talking about tonight. And things can change in your situation. You may have a horrible home life. The real faith can begin to change things for you. You may have lots of needs in your life and the real faith can work for you. The things that I'm telling you this, this night can change situations for you. Luke 1.37 says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. As a believer, I want you to look at that. With God. Who is with God? This is talking about a believer. With God, all things are possible. It's not talking about just God alone. With God, I'll think if, if we said it like that, well, we'd say, well, sure, God can do anything. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying with God and you as partners, nothing is impossible because God needs a man in the earth to bring his will and plan to pass. He's the one that orchestrated it that way. We are Jesus' hands, his feet, his mouth. We're the body of Christ. Isn't that right? And so God and us together, there is nothing that is impossible. I've, I've looked at things in my life and I've said, 
you know, if I were just looking in the natural, this looks impossible. But I'm not, and I am with God, and because I am, this is not impossible. It is possible. There's possibility here. Don't you love it when you're talking to someone and maybe you think that there's no way and somebody says, but wait, there's a possibility. Doesn't that bring hope to you? Why, God's word, there's nothing with God and you that's impossible. There is a possibility. There's a way. He makes a way when there is no way. He makes a way in the wilderness. Amen? You know, there's so many things I could continue to say tonight because I've sure got a lot of things to say, but I, I'm going to stop there. Maybe, you know, at another time, I'll continue on talking about this. But I want you to understand that God and you are an unbeatable team. Other people may try to pull against you, may try to work against you, but that's not the point. It's you and God. What about you and God? If you belong to the Lord, if you've been born again, if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you and God can accomplish the impossible. The things that others would look and say, see are impossible. I remember when people were trying to tell um, Eddie and myself, you cannot do this. You cannot start that church. You should not. You cannot. And you know what? We believe the real faith. We believe with God we can do it. And we, and we have. And we do it with the grace of God even now. You know, because, you know, you can have the same situation in your life. People can look and say, well, how can it be? It's you and God in partnership, you and God, with a real faith. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora. Pastor Nora.